Hey everybody. Hello. Welcome to our channel. And today, Janae, we're going to be talking about business. Oh, you have a Halloween cup and I have a Christmas cup. Business. He's living in the past. I'm looking forward to the future. <laughs> <laughs> or we just picked whatever mugs were clean out of the yeah, draw. <laughs> A whole lot of commentary <laughs> off my mug <laughs> I'm teasing. Um, <laughs> but why did you choose, out of curiosity, why did you choose the, the Ray Dunn Halloween mug today? I wanted to go counterculture. Yeah. Everybody's doing Christmas. I'm still on Halloween. There you go. There you go. And I want to point out, because I feel that this is an important thing to distinguish, <laughs> this is the only Ray Dunn object in our entire house we have no other ray done and anything I, and i bought it and fortunate ironically yes but it's still a mug that's so, it yeah. that's it i no shade to the ray done love we're but just that's not, not we're, just not we're not those people yes that is literally the only thing and i just felt that i needed to announce that to the world because otherwise they're going to get a, a wrong impression about there are about the style there that are. uh we, we've got going on yeah okay okay so today we're talking about businesses for 2023 yes. that you might want to start if yeah. you're looking to start one. But, but. specifically, yes. we are not going to give you a top 10 list like everybody is probably throwing at you right now if you're in this space. Instead, we're going to be pulling the top 11 that we see coming up the most and give you honest feedback on it. Yeah, so basically, um, we thought if we were thinking like maybe some of you and you were like, I'm, I plan to start a business. I want to start a business or I want to start a second business. I want to start some kind of freelance endeavor, whatever. And you uh -huh. go to Google and you type in something like, along the lines of... What's hot for 2023? Yeah, businesses to start in 2023. 2023. Most popular, best business to start in 2023. It's Anything along those lines. And we, yeah, we looked at... Right. but... We looked at what those things were and what was coming up most of all. We compiled them into a list and we're gonna we're gonna comment on yeah. all those things and tell you if like if that really is a good idea to, to go toward and why it is if it is and why it's not if it's not so here's the list Ta -da! insert list here hold for thumbnail <laughs> perfect um so yeah so these are all the jobs that we're gonna be going over and let you know should you really venture into this should next you? year yeah so let's go so for all of these, we're going to give you like a rough structure of why are they trending in the first place? Should you do it? How might you go about starting it? And then things to look out for if you do start it. So let's pull up the handy dandy. Okay, what do we got first? So first we're going to have virtual assistant services. Ah, very nice. Definitely one that's trending and one that a lot of people are considering going for. Why is it trending? Well, I think that um, we really saw a trend toward this starting in 2020 with the pandemic, of course, where people had to work from home. Um, they were probably an assistant already and maybe lost their job when a lot of people were getting laid off due to the pandemic. But they needed to find other work. They weren't going to be able to go into an office. So they were offering services as a virtual assistant to whomever was actually hiring and needed it needed an assistant at the moment, mm -hmm. um, which is great. And uh, I myself personally, I have had virtual assistants. I love it. It's so great. It's, it's wonderful for businesses that are still kind of operating on a work from home basis or mm -hmm. are um, more spread out globally. So time zones don't really matter. Your virtual assistant could be anywhere because they're, you know, given tasks, yada, yada. But if you're looking to do this, if you're looking to be a virtual assistant, I think there are some important things that you need to know. So first off, um, having experience is a must, but you're up against many, 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 many other people who also have assistant um, experience. Yeah. And everybody's skills are gonna be like, I can do Microsoft Word. I can send an email, like, you know? So you need to find the things that really differentiate yourself above mm -hmm. those simple tasks because if I'm looking to hire a virtual assistant, uh, yeah, it's a given. I'm assuming you know how to save something as a PDF and send an email and work Google Calendar. You, I'm just, mm. I don't need to be told that because that's pretty much baseline qualifications for the job. Um, 
what I need to hear from you is more about what your work ethic is, mm -hmm. what I can expect from you. Are you going to be the type that's going to badger me with lots of questions and then I'm going to be like, I don't have time to get back to you. Or are you a go-getter um, who is just going to figure it out? And actually in an interview process, one of the questions I asked, this is a little disclosure here. Um, maybe, I don't know if anybody I've interviewed is watching this, but I asked people I was interviewing for my virtual assistant, um, if I gave you a task and you didn't know how to do it, um, you know, what would you do? And nine times out of 10, they would answer, oh, I would ask you how to do it, which seems like the right answer. But the person that I hired said, I'd Google it. And then if I couldn't find anything on Google, if I wasn't sure, that's when I would come to you and say, okay, I've already taken these steps, but I'm still confused at this point. What do you want me to do? And one. that's why I hired her and for many other reasons as well. But that is like the energy you need to have and you need to bring, right? Because people who are looking for a virtual assistant most likely are already too busy to be managing someone in person. I'm, I'm just going to assume. So if you are, are going for this job, put yourself out there and position yourself in your resume, in your cover letter, whatever, with these kinds of qualities and focus less on the tasks that you have done and can do because I think that it's pretty straightforward when it comes to assistant work, unless it's something more specialized. Like if you're a, some kind of specialized industry type of assistant, then that might be important. Um, but overall, I think it's more, you know, we're never gonna meet you in person. We're not gonna see you in the office. So we need to trust that you are that kind of energy and like go-getter mm -hmm. kind of thing that you're still bringing that so at home. So overall, yes. You should do this. This I, is a good one. I think yes, but like also know what you're up against. So that's part of what you're up against. The other part is if you're going to do this, um, everybody is looking on Upwork and Fiverr for these jobs, right? So I would try to differentiate the way you're going about looking for these jobs if you want to mm -hmm. find one. Because if you're going on Upwork and Fiverr, I mean, that's fine. You'll probably get work. But the thing is that people on Upwork and Fiverr, I mean, you're just... It's a it's race the, to the bottom. It's a race, exactly. Like you're you're going for the lowest bidder, right? Like who's who do I have to pay the let the least to do the most work? And that's a really bad foot to start off on because I think that we were kind of talking about this before mm -hmm. about like the workload. Yeah, so that's something to look out for if this is something that you want to jump into, is it might seem I don't want to say deceptively not time consuming, but there's this like picture that we paint sometimes of like working at home is like we're on our sofa and we're chilling and like, of course you are at home, you are chilling on your sofa. But if you take that so far as to say, well, then I'm going to try to get, you know, 10 clients uh, as virtual assistant because I'm just here, I'm just chilling. So I can, I'm not going to 10 different offices. Um, if this is your first foray into it, I would definitely take on maybe two, see how that feels because you could end up over scheduling yourself and you could be at your desk at home or at your sofa and be chained to it yeah. because you can't even step away to go to lunch because there's too many calls to take. There's too many meetings to plan. There's too many things mm -hmm. um, that that would be in my mind. The biggest thing to look out for yeah. is not over scheduling yourself, get a few clients see how it feels if you have the bandwidth uh take on another one if you going back to what janae said on the niche this is more for like a growth thought but if you have a niche if you have a differentiator that's not industry specific mm -hmm. like a paralegal or something if you're just saying i do virtual assistant differently because of xyz like someone we know she's an expert in like e-commerce with shopify tons of shopify experience mm -hmm. and i yeah. think that that's a really good differentiator yeah so if she has you know three or four clients that are just she's found the niche people go to her for that you have the availability to then maybe bring on somebody under you and then continue to grow that niche and then you're kind of you turn into a kind virtual of like a, assistant for the virtual assistant yeah you kind of turn into like a little a agency for assistants that specialize in this niche that's just like a phase two or phase three mm -hmm. thing to think about. But, you know, if you really find the way to differentiate yourself, like Janae said, from everybody that's like, well, I can take calls for you. Well, I can set meetings for you. Um, that niche is what's going to, it's what's your, that niche is what you can <laughs> use 
to help you um, continue to grow that. Yes. And I do think that important to going back to Nick's point here, um, it's like, it's not going to be the walk in the park that you may think it is. And maybe it is, maybe you've got a really good client who pays you well and you don't have much to do. And if so, congratulations, you struck gold. But if it's like, uh, it might be a lot, um, more than you expect when it comes to doing this virtual assistant work and like, you don't want to be chained to your couch. So definitely not only taking on a little less than you think you can handle because it's going to probably end up being exactly what you can handle. Um, and you don't want to burn out, right? No, absolutely not. But also, um, if you're going into this, you have to be a person with systems in place. You are highly organized and you're highly self-motivated because when you're working from home, you are fighting against motivation all the time. It is very easy to want to just be like, I really need to clean the kitchen today. And I think I'm going to do that instead because it's right there. You're not like leaving your house and forgetting about these things, but you're in it. And, you know, so having that motivation, being that kind of person, um, if that's you, then I think you're going to do great in 2023 as a virtual assistant. Next point, social media management services. Mm, okay, okay. So that's a little bit of what I do mm. um, with my agency. So I definitely feel like I could speak to this. Um, social media management services. So this, um, if you want to offer it, here's probably what's going to be expected of you. Um, actually, you know what? A good, <laughs> make sure you know what's expected of you because a lot of different businesses might have different expectations in terms of what this entails. But for the most part, I think they're going to be expecting um, someone at the very minimum to be posting for them and probably writing captions on a regular basis. Uh -huh. So that's basically anybody with a Hootsuite account who can just get the content from them, write a little caption with hashtags, put it up, make sure it actually posts. Mm -hmm. um, and it might also include replying to comments and helping keep engagement up. I think that's probably the bare minimum of what's expected. And that would be all the, all the social media platforms that they have. But there might be other expectations as well. So again, make sure that's clear, including creating the content yourself, whether that's video, graphic design. I mean, there could be a lot of things bundled up in here. Um, it could also uh, in, include like reporting on analytics of the growth that you're bringing to the account, what people, you know, are saying in the comments, um, you know, where you're getting followers from, all that kind of stuff, I think is, is probably going to be included in that, as well as trend reporting. That can also be something that people mm. want to see. They want to know what's up and coming, what the trends are, and especially... Um, as we're really coming into a time where trends are turning around like that, or we're having multiple trends at once, depending on the different niches. So mm -hmm. somebody who's able to do that. So if, if you want to set out to do social media management services, um, like I said, the bare minimum is like, I will just, I will schedule things and post them for you. Great. And it, that might be all that somebody needs because they might be a small business and they might say, Hey, like, I just don't have time to just remember to post. I just need somebody to do that for me and to write a caption because it's like I, mm. I'm thinking about 20 million other things. I'm trying to run a, a shop or I'm trying to, you know, work on inventory. And it's like the last thing I want to do is think of something clever to say and write some hashtags. Like, I just don't want to deal. And if that's all they need, perfect. You can be that person if you have that experience. Um, and that's great. But, they're, but they may have more expectations about, you know, asking you to create the content as well. And that is like immediately a much bigger ask. So it really depends on what you are capable of doing and offering. Um, but then the trend reporting, I think is going to be even more valuable in 2023. Um, that's something that my clients are increasingly more excited to hear about because like I said, trends are really changing a lot. So if you're somebody who, you know, keeps, keeps an eye on all these different trends yeah. happening, then that's perfect because that's something that you can offer and specifically say that you offer when it comes to social media management services. Um, are you seeing, are we seeing, why are we seeing that as a trend like this, this job? Why are we seeing more of it? In because the I think that more and more businesses, well, there's, there's a new business out there starting every single day 
and <clears throat> they're, they're going to need social media, right? But even still, the ones that aren't new, they might be new to social media or they might have just started and realized they're biting off more than they can chew and they need support because it's becoming something that's, that is requiring even more of you. And if you want to know more about that, we have another video that we recently posted about what we expect with social media marketing or marketing in general um, in 2023. So check out that video to kind of go into depth more about why that's going to be a bigger pull yeah. for different companies. Yeah. Um, but I think that it's only natural that businesses are going to want to bring on somebody yeah. and they may not want to bring somebody on full time in their team. They might just be looking for somebody virtual uh -huh. um, who can just sort of help execute on tasks for them. Okay. Um, but much like the virtual assistant, I do think that you need to differentiate yourself. But you think it's a good, you think it's a good um, potential job or business do. to start? I do. Yeah. I do think so. And I think that it, no matter what your level of experience is, just be real with yourself about that <laughs> and be real with your clients about that. Like, But also similar to, you know, the reason that you had hired your personal assistant, yeah. or your virtual assistant, um, I, it's not only what you know, it's what you can get done with the tools in front of you. Mm -hmm. So if you had a client or you had somebody that potentially could do something like this and they were going to hire you, but maybe they needed you to create five pieces of, uh, content a month. They needed like five still images, mm -hmm. um, and you're horrible at it, but it's a, besides that, it is like the perfect job for you. Well, you could then turn around and go on Fiverr and find somebody or Upwork and find somebody to create those assets for you. And then again, even if you're a one person shop, you're kind of acting like you're a little, a little agency. Like a broker. Like a, yeah. <laughs> so it's not necessarily that you need to be able to be good at lighting and everything because that is a, that is a huge ass to be like, be good at lighting. Be good at, you know, like set dressing this and having all these props. But if you were good at the forecasting, at scheduling, at making great captions, and then you farm that little bit out, then you come back to the client, you turned around exactly what they needed. Mm -hmm. So I'd say that that would be something under the like what to watch out for is don't one, don't commit to things, obviously, that um, <laughs> that are maybe outside your scope, but also understand that your scope does not have to be the end all for what you can apply for if you know where to fill in those gaps so long as the client is paying you enough to take on somebody else well yeah because you're gonna have to pay them so you're making all right less, so if if it comes that you're like you're at that juncture where you're like oh i could really use somebody else to you know help on these tasks but they aren't they don't have the budget or the support for that um then maybe you need to push back on your client and be like, hey, you're asking me a bigger lift. And so we need to re, you know, renegotiate the finance part of this. Mm -hmm. um, or you just look for another client yeah. if they're not willing to do that. If they're not willing to do that. So I actually, um, I just thought of a metaphor that I think applies to both of the things we just talked about and maybe also the other stuff. So, okay, here it is. Here's my little story. So long, long time ago when I first moved to Los Angeles, um, I auditioned to be a parade dancer at Disneyland for the Christmas parade. And it was, it was great. I did a couple D Disneyland auditions and it was a lot of fun. Um, and I have dance experience. And so I went, there were tons of girls, but they broke us up into groups. Um, and I think this was girls only come to think of it if I'm remembering correctly because I feel like it was but anyway um tons of people they broke us up into these little groups and um and then we had to go do this routine that we learned really quickly and we had to do it across the floor and if you've ever seen the Christmas time parade at Disneyland the amount of dancing that people do um isn't you wouldn't say it's particularly like complicated choreography a lot of it is just kind of stepping to the music with a lot of energy and waving and some people do a little more complicated stuff especially there i think there's skaters like on on mm. little skates so that's mm -hmm. like rollerblades like that's really hard um but for the most part a lot of it is like step touch and smiling and waving and maybe add a little spin here and there mm -hmm. um and like raising of the hand but mm -hmm. the across the floor um routine i don't 
completely remember it, but I remember that it was far more difficult and complicated than anything that the parade dancers had to do. And so I remember, I believe there was a leap involved oh. and at the very end was a double pirouette, um, which I remember I fell out of my double pirouette and I was like, I didn't make it around the second time. I was very mad. Um, and obviously I didn't get that. But the thing is that nobody's doing that routine in the parade or anything close to it. Nobody's doing double pirouettes mm -hmm. in the parade. What they want to know is, can you do that? Because if you can do that, then you can do the step, touch, waving and smiling with energy around the whole park perfectly. Um, if you can, if you can do this floor routine, that's more complicated. They don't have to worry about you doing the simpler parade stuff that you're going to look like a professional dancer when you do it. Right. So they don't give you the easy, they don't make you just step, touch and wave in your audition. Mm. I think that because there is so much competition out there for, for virtual jobs, and you don't, everybody's credentials are basically going to look the same. Yes, I can do Microsoft Word. Yes, I went to college. Yes, I have job experience around five to 10 years. Like, it's all going to look about the same, right? And so what needs to, you need to set apart is like, you need to have that extra pizzazz. You need mm -hmm. to have the leap and the double pirouette in what you're offering so that they know Oh, well, if they can do this and if they are this kind of snazzy person, I don't need to worry about how easy it's going to be for them to schedule social media posts because, of course, they can do that. Hmm. Of course, they can do that. Um, so if you're if you apply for a social media management job and you simply say, I have experience in posting things and I would love to post things for you. You're auditioning with the step touch for the step touch. You need to come in and talk about how committed you are, how excited you are about the industry. Mm -hmm. And I know this feels, this is going to feel weird because it's like, oh, that's a lot of effort for a job. And it's like, sh you know, shooting above the expectation. But in the reality of the situation, of the way things are right now, just giving it to you real, I think that that's honestly well, what's going to make the difference and get you the job. You flip the script and you are somebody hiring. You know, do you want to hire somebody who obviously says they can do the thing that you're doing or this other person that applied and is okay with the rate that we can offer them, but has way more experience, I might get a superior product yeah. at the same time. I mean, and I'm not just talking about being overqualified for a job that no, you're no, applying no, 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 to, no, no, no. because sometimes being too overqualified, I'm kind of like, well, I feel like this is weird that you're applying for this job. Yeah. Um, but to, not overqualified, to, just, just differentiate from, from everybody. Imagine like 10 of you are applying that with similar qualifications, you know, how am I going to make, how are you going to be more memorable more and memorable. let them yeah. know that, that that's a, a walk in the park for you. Exactly. exactly. So anyway, anyways, there's your little takeaway. You <laughs> okay. learned something new about, about me and Disney auditions. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Yeah. Next one. Yes. Next point. Okay. We have web dev and a design agency. Web dev and design, design agency. agency. Okay, you want to take this one? I think this is trending right now. Again, we're talking about a historic amount of small businesses starting in the last couple of years, especially during COVID and we're all at home. Yes. So naturally, those companies need support systems around them. I think that has explained the last couple points as well. That's why these things are kind of trending and you're seeing people talking about them being viable things to jump into or businesses to start is because we need those support systems. There's a gold rush and, you know, you know, you need, somebody needs to be selling the pickaxes. So should you do it? I think you should, if you are good at it, this is one of those ones where it's maybe a little bit harder to fake it when it's coming to like web dev, uh, or design. If you don't know how to do illustrator, don't say you know how to do it. I don't know how to do illustrator. I, Hire people that are good and, at illustrator. And that's a I don't skill know. that you can't fake and people will know. Like, I don't know how to I don't know how to like jump into code on a website. You know, I pay people that, that do know how to do that. So if you know how to do that and on the web dev side, you can showcase AI for creativity. And on the design side, you have an eye for the implementation. To me, those are the big differentiators when we're looking for somebody because a lot of times the people that are really into the coding um you tell them to do this you know website or something 
and there's a one or two pieces that come down to kind of creative nuance or kind of understanding the leap that you're trying to make there. And if they have a completely analytical approach, they are going to miss that and then you're gonna have to mm -hmm. go back for revisions. Mm -hmm. But if you can be somebody who's technical but just has a eye for the creative to understand, oh, A plus B does equal C, I see where they were going with that. Mm -hmm. To me, that's a differentiator in that space. Mm -hmm. uh, same thing on the design side. If you're going to design something beautifully, um, but you have no sense of, or like if you're designing a site and you have no sense of how it's going to be read, the load times, things like that, and it's beautiful but not very usable, it's going to be hard to get repeat business or to really start building a good client base there because you're working, they're going to have to bring in somebody to then fix that work or they're gonna have to have a lot of revisions to fix the beautiful work to be more functional and usable where they want to be. Oh, so sorry, getting a phone call. web dev and design I think the process of getting started is similar to these other ones um, even more so on like Upwork and Fiverr mm -hmm. I think unfortunately even if you were to make your own website and say like hey I'm a I'm a one-person shop or we're a little company that does websites and we do design and stuff like that you're gonna have to initially just start kind of putting yourself out there um, it's a great place to get initial clients on those sites because you have people actively looking on those for people yeah. to do them. That's probably um, where I would go to find yeah. somebody. And if you if your differentiator is that when you're posting, you're not just, I'm Tom and I'm a designer saying like, we're a small shop that does this and we're here on this website. Somebody might have a little more confidence to say, oh, I'm, I'm hiring yeah, so. a little company. And then you can try to like parlay that into a relationship off the platform and, and grow the and grow that um, and grow that relationship. Yeah, absolutely. Um, now, here's a question for yeah. you. Let's say that I'm someone who I've never done web dev before, but I'm really interested in it and I want to be self-taught. Do you think I should still pursue this in 2023 if I'm starting from zero? Probably not jumping into a business doing it. If is it possible to be self-taught on this? Yeah, it is actually. Now more than ever, we are living in the future where you could it's not even like a paid course where it's like, oh, there's us college online. You could go like, there's courses on YouTube. There is like free applications like Playgrounds, um, Swift Playgrounds on any iPad or Mac uh, device. You can, if, if you have a passion for this and you're just missing that gap of the physical like knowledge, the nitty gritty of it, um, jump in, like jump in. There is not even the barrier of cost for a formal education because I guarantee you on Upwork or any of these other sites or anytime we've even hired somebody that is going to be doing a website or going to be doing graphic design I'm going to look at their portfolio I'm going to look at some other projects they've done I'm going to get a vibe for what it is to work with that person if I can get along with them and then that'll be it. And yeah. then I and then I hire them because I see the work they do. I see what kind of person they are. I move on. Yeah. At no point do I go. Everything's great, but can I see your degree? And then if they're no, like, this is definitely more of a portfolio based kind of job where you're going to be like, so, I do need to see your past work. So dive into learning and doing. Yeah. Yeah. And and that that would be my that'd be my like big takeaway. Big takeaway on that one. Uh, oh, this one's interesting. So this one is one of the few uh, physical... Non-online jobs non -online. that we saw come up in and like, we successful start, businesses to start. we were like, this seems a little random, but... Okay, I do think we, it's a good one. Yeah, coffee shops. Coffee shops, Starting cafes. a coffee shop, yeah. So a couple things on the coffee shop that I think are interesting on why we might see this kind of getting aggregated online unlike things that might be coming up. Mm -hmm. um, so Starbucks famously has pivoted away from being that third place 
And if you don't know what third place is, um, I'll link a Wikipedia article in the description. Or we could talk about it in another future video. Uh, we'll maybe. talk about it in a future if video. If you want to know. Um, but like Starbucks had been, had been the champion of being that third place for people for a long time. And then they pivoted away from it. So in that void, the kind of idea of a third place that also had some kind of like snacks and coffee and stuff to kind of keep you around mm -hmm. um, is still a good idea. And with more and more people not working in traditional offices, they're either remote or they're hybrid and they can work from anywhere. The need for third places is very weirdly like spiking up because of that. Um, because I mean, we do it. Well, like we have an office here at home, but it's like, oh, I want to go work from a coffee shop for mm -hmm. a couple hours, and we take our laptops and where, we're on our way. Yeah, where do we want to go meet up with a friend, take a meeting mm -hmm. with a client, whatever? We've so, got we've got like a couple coffee shops that are our usual go tos in go -to. here in LA. So I think that is why we're seeing this pop up is that the need for third places are coming up. A lot more with yeah. more people working from anywhere mm -hmm. and coffee shops fill that need very great on the technical side they are also good because if you have a coffee shop that is just doing like let's say it's baked goods that maybe you buy from another vendor or something and then coffee you don't need at least in California you don't need the same permitting that you do if mm, you had a full kitchen. A kitchen so kitchen is obviously good for like you know meals and keeping mm -hmm. people maybe lo even longer but if you're operating like starbucks where it's like you bring the stuff in and then all you have to do is heat it up basically the, the, it's the same reason that like yeah. frozen yogurt and poke places took off because you don't need the hot kitchen permitting sprinkler system for the grease and all that like yeah. it is super easy to just jump right into it mm -hmm. um that leads to kind of how you might go about starting it this one's going to be a little more capital intensive so you might need you know, you're probably, if you're going to be at plan. zero, you're yeah. going to need a business plan. And SBA loans are a great way to go yeah. about it. Friends and family are also good to find a space, outfit it. You know, are totally. you going to start your own coffee brand like Starbucks at the same time? Are you going to go in for a double, for beans. For a double whammy? <laughs> or are you going to like buy somebody else's yeah. beans? You have a lot of um, opportunity there. Yeah. So actually, one more thing. Um, I think also why it's trending right now and possibly a good venture for 2023. Um, so a friend of mine is like a coffee genius. And I, uh, when I met him, it was, I think, I guess last year. And he had, he was working as a barista somewhere, but he used to have his own coffee shop and it closed. And the reason for that is that he started it right before the pandemic, unfortunately. It was a great coffee shop and it was located in a business center. So it was like perfect location where you have people working and they need to come down and get a cup of coffee. And it was his shop that he was running and owning and sourced really high quality beans, had really good tea, like all this kind of mm -hmm. stuff. And he knew his stuff and he was friendly and outgoing and people really liked to talk to him. And then COVID hit mm -hmm. and nobody came into those businesses anymore and nobody went into coffee shops anymore. And that's what did it. He had to close. He's still, um, he's still a barista and he's still doing awesome stuff. He manages a, a coffee shop now. And, um, yeah, so that's great. So he was still able to continue doing what he loves, which is awesome. But I think that a lot of coffee shops didn't stay afloat. Um, if they were smaller, if they yeah. weren't Starbucks, during the pandemic, especially if they were located in places like business centers. But now that people are going back to work and they do want coffee and they are out and about again, um, the need for coffee shops to reopen in those little places again, uh, it's there, it's it's growing. So mm -hmm. um, if, if this is something you wanna do and you're passionate about it, I think the timing is really good, honestly. It is. It is. It is. Um... I guess the you know tying back to the more capital intensive that would be the things to yes. look out for is that this one's going to be more of a lift on the front end um but it has a lot of potential upside and you know another way to look at it is that any hurdle that you have to go over everybody has to go over yeah so if you find a way through you've immediately let that hurdle be a filter to have less people competing with you so you know two sides of a coin right um i think another thing you need to watch out for is that you need to have strong branding for your coffee shop this is a must in today's oh yeah, today's yeah. world in next year's world 
Um, if you look like just whatever little coffee shop and your, your name is Java House and your theme is coffee shop, like <laughs> you're, you're not going to, you're going to blend in. You're just going to blend in with all the other businesses around you and you're not going to be offering anything special. So find something that makes you special and unique. Use it as a point for branding or contact me and I'd love to help you yeah. uh, get some unique branding for your coffee shop and make sure that you stand out, you're memorable, that people see it and they get curious about what it's like and what you have to offer, yeah. um, that it's a fun place to be and hang out in and order from and that's the kind of branding you're gonna wanna go for. Yeah. Next up, ooh, selling online courses. Oh my gosh, this so, is everywhere. This so is what everybody is saying you should do. So these are trending and they're, they're coming up in these lists, I think because uh, a lot of people jumped into them. Mm -hmm. A lot of people jumped into them. And I'm going to just jump ahead to the second point. Should you do it? Probably not. I don't think so. Probably not. I'm going to, uh, yeah. Lo like big asterisk, I would say the only reason to do it is if you have genuinely something so crazy, unique. Valuable. Yeah. yeah that you are conveying that is not out there already. Um, if you're not already selling online courses, it's possibly too late for you <laughs> because or if you're selling something that you can quickly feel like you can spin up and like oh i could figure something out like that and put together a course you and everybody else also had that thought so again you have to have something that just for one reason or another is incredibly unique to you so why is it trending so why is it trending why is everybody saying this because the people who are telling you to sell your courses are trying to sell you a course about selling courses. So they're selling you, you a course sell on selling courses. And so if you buy that, then it's working for them. So if you <laughs> want to make a course about how to make a course that's not like the other courses, <laughs> I guess that's technically available. No, but there's too many people doing that too. It's flooded. It's, it's flooded. A, it's a very crowded space. And I do think that you're going to have trouble one coming across as like legitimate because there's a lot of people that have poisoned that well yes. and two yes. even getting people to like stick around enough i feel like it's it's kind of like traditional advertising that people have just learned to tune it out if you see somebody scrolling and they're like and i have blah 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 and this and this is part of my course you're like uh, okay okay i'm out right it's right. gonna be really hard to be like, like no but i'm for real mm -hmm. yeah and everybody's using the same funnel system where they start you out with something free and then you come into the free Zoom and then it ends up turning into a pitch where they're like, I'm going to tell you how to do this. And then they're like, I almost told you how to do it. But at the end, now it's the pitch. And now you sit there for 30 minutes while they convince you to why you have to buy it and why the time is now. And it's just like no sitting good. through like a timeshare presentation at that point. And, um, and then you get in. But then also, is it viable? Because once people buy your course... Um, how do you keep them? Like you have to be no, able the, to the whole model, put them the into whole a model system. Is like, is you like, have to continually get new, 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 new. It's new, like new. moving to the next town. So the only, yeah, moving to the next town. Hmm, interesting. Mm. Mm, it's like the Music Man. Um, <laughs> next on the list, Snake Oil. Uh, <laughs> Should you do? No, but um, but really, I feel like these online courses are almost becoming the next like. MLM, MLM a yeah, little bit yeah. and people are very distrustful because many people have been burned they have bought courses in the last year or two trying to pivot into a new market learn a new skill and then it's not that good and I'm not saying that they're all bad because you know what I have a friend who has an online course that's yeah. actually great and it's successful and she has customers advocating for her genuinely and mm -hmm. coming back for her other classes courses that she offers but the thing that's different is that, first of all, well, she started this like right at the right time. I really do think so. But also, um, she sells a writing class and she is a very, very talented published writer. Yeah. She has been published, articles published in pretty much every major, major publication yeah. at all. Her, uh, her like resume is very impressive. It is. And um, she is absolutely someone that you want to be learning from. And her her classes are not cheap. Like she does like one-offs that are that are cheap, like little one-off um, like 
uh, I don't know what you call it, um, courses, workshops. workshops, exactly. Workshops or like little challenge writing challenges and stuff like that, that you can join mm -hmm. that are, that are very affordable. Um, but for like the full several week course where you get mm -hmm. started and you make a career for yourself as a writer based on her approach, that does cost a little more, but it's a great investment because she has so many success stories of her students who take that and become paid writers after that because she really knows her stuff. So if you are someone with an impressive resume and you know that your class is actually going to make people successful who will just do nothing but say good things about you and help bring in mm -hmm. more people so that you're, you don't have the heavy lift of spending thousands of marketing dollars to get those new people in, mm -hmm. um, then maybe you can. But I'm saying that if you really want to go into this, you have to think of it as like masterclass level. And you have to be someone that people will see, oh, they are legit because they will not yeah. believe that you are at first blush. That's going to be your hardest, biggest hurdle is that when you approach somebody about an online course, they're going to be like, yeah, everybody's got an online course. Yeah. But you're like, no, no, I'm a real person that really does this, you know? Um, so if that's you, then do it, but approach with caution um, and make sure that you have a system in place that helps get new people, but also takes existing people and continues to convert them in one way or another. Um, if that sounds like too much work for you, or if this sounds like not what you expected and you thought this would just be something easy to do, um, I think it's going to end up being a lot of work and not a lot of return. And I think that it's best that you abandon that idea and look mm -hmm. for another one for 2023. Yep. Affiliate, Affiliate marketing. marketing. Oh, so actually um back in the day a uh, long time ago years ago i had a little bit of a foray as a micro influencer slash affiliate we'll throw some pictures right now no we won't we'll <laughs> no we won't right we won't don't take those pictures down take them down <laughs> um actually, nobody can see you now I'm... it's just pictures over you <laughs> stop it <laughs> i <laughs> i got this hat for free for members only when they sent me a package of stuff which was really cool i got several jackets that was i think my favorite um influencer slash affiliate thing that i did um did i make any money off of it no nobody used my codes to go buy stuff and i teamed up with different companies and stuff and um i did good good quality content with their products the only thing that it benefited was for a little while I got some free stuff and I got this hat that I still wear. Um, but I like really think that a lot of businesses are going to actually be doing less of this um, content influencer affiliate marketing. So first of all, if companies are going to be doing it less, it's going to be harder for you to actually get deals with that and make money off of it. Um, but likely the best thing you're going to see out of it is just free stuff. And if somebody happens to use your code to yeah. make a purchase, I mean, you're making a fraction of a commission on that sale in order for it to be viable for the business at all. They're not going to offer yeah. you, you know, there's yeah. profits and margins that they have to As look out people for. people are trimming back marketing budgets next year, there's going to be a real emphasis on every dollar out showing a return in and paying for brand awareness and you know all these kinds of things that had really loose metrics mm -hmm. um, are getting it scaled back. So here's where I do think it might make sense to do it yeah. though. If you are already an established influencer content creator, and I'm talking, you've got a big audience. How many followers would you say? I think it depends this? on the platform. Okay. Um, but probably just to give a rough number, I'm talking hundreds of thousands of followers on any given platform. Because you think on the micro end, that kind of is, you're, you're, you're going to get stuff more than anything else? Yeah. Like as a micro, like a thousand followers, 5,000 followers. Oh, no, anything, I mean, forget it. If, if you're less than 10,000 followers, forget it. Forget it. Hmm. Um, on YouTube, maybe if you've got like 20,000, 40,000 subscribers, that's probably where it's going to be beneficial for you to actually make some money off of this. Um, I, what I think is that it's more likely that you want to actually just, instead of getting paid um, a commission, 
uh, depending on, I mean, if it's a higher priced item, then maybe a commission makes sense. Um, but, but like flat fee, flat fee might yeah. be a good thing. Um, and that won't be out of the ordinary for brands to see. So make sure yeah. you have something structured if you're new at doing this. Um, because if you don't put it out there, they will not ask. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, have like a response ready, have like a little one sheet that gives pricing or whatever, however mm -hmm. you want to deal, do that and deal with that. Um, but another example that I've seen a lot actually, and I think it probably works because I myself have utilized these things. So there's some influencers on TikTok, for example, who are like moms or business owners or whatever. And whenever they have stuff or they use stuff that they like, they throw it in their Amazon list and they are an Amazon affiliate. And then they say like, so, there's a link in my bio and I've got a list that's called blah, blah, blah. And it's like so my under, favorite clothes for plus size women for winter. And I'm probably going to go look at that. So under like how you might go about starting this, one would be, you know, it's probably going to be a lot easier if you have an existing audience. If you don't, you need to first build an organic audience, which will take a undetermined amount of time. But two, uh, maybe if, if you're not doing this already, look at becoming an influencer through Amazon. Because, yeah, an affiliate Amazon. Because Amazon, yeah. with Amazon, you get paid twice. Because if you can negotiate a flat fee from the brand itself, um, but then it directs people to Amazon, Amazon actually pays you from every sale. Yes. And it's for, very automated. So For being, good, for, for directing probably. that traffic to Amazon so mm -hmm. you can kind of double dip. That's a good point. Yeah. That's a good point. Um, but yeah, also like there's another account that I follow. I just remember that has like kids toys and they have different lists for different age groups. So like infant and like toddler and young kids, older kids, you know, and so come Christmas time, they start posting about like, if you don't know what to get your niece or nephew, like here it is, go to our Amazon and you'll see the top trending toys, different price points of different toys and stuff. And those lists are great. They're like gift guides that are shoppable. And, um, and they make commission off of everything that goes that way. So if that, if it makes sense with what your niche is, if, or even if like, you know, you're just a business person and you're like, these are the things I use at my desk or whatever, but you've already got an audience because again, don't put in all this effort. If, if you don't really have an audience, this isn't going to be viable for you. Build your audience first and then yeah. consider doing this. And but don't buy any courses. <laughs> to do so <laughs> unless it's my course just kidding I don't have a course <laughs> we're giving this information away for free <laughs> next we have home tutoring mm. this one is another one I'm seeing, interesting I'm seeing it probably gain popularity with remote hybrid people traveling mm. if they can work from anywhere a lot of people bought homes in crazy places but if you have kids that's why I'm thinking on the tutoring end. Yeah. If you have kids and then maybe they're moving to remote school um, and then if they need extra help, they're going to get a remote tutor. Um, I also think um, it's, I think that in most, I mean, I actually, this is just off the top of my head. I haven't done this research, so I'm making a, a claim here based off of what I just assume. I assume that most American families have two working parents now. I mm -hmm. assume. Um and it's a lot less stay-at-home moms or dads, and both parents have to work. And if both parents have to work, they probably don't have the energy or time to sit down with their kid and help them do their homework. And so having hiring someone, a home tutor, who can come and do that with them and help them do the math or the writing assignment or whatever. Oh, see, I was saying like virtual tutoring, but I guess you're right. Some home tutoring. Oh, yeah. it's like tutoring at home. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So I, uh, the only experience I have that's kind of like this is that I was a tutor in college. Hmm. Um, and I used to, cause I was a music major. Uh, if you didn't know that about me, I think we mentioned that in one of our first mm -hmm. videos, I was a music major. And so I helped tutor people in music theory and music history. Hmm. Um, and I really loved it, and it was one-on-one -on -one tutoring sessions. They, are, my university had a um, a tutoring center mm -hmm. where tutors would be hired, and you'd have to be recommended by the head of your department, I believe, to be a tutor. So you had to have like really good grades in those classes, and 
the mm -hmm. professors had to recommend you mm -hmm. and then you could get hired and paid to be tutoring other students and they'd sign up through it and they'd manage your schedule it was great it was actually honestly great i wasn't trying to just do it by myself because there was a center involved mm -hmm. this is going to be different though and i'm actually not sure our daughter's too young to need a tutor so i have no idea how people find tutors these days that come to your home yeah but if let's say I wanted to start doing it, I wanted to offer music theory tutoring or something, math, I don't know, whatever. I would probably post on things like next door. You thought the same thing yeah. as me, next door. Uh, also like maybe like maybe local Facebook groups. groups. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's they're not you know, those those people are not necessarily looking for those things on like Upwork or something. No, and we, it's so, localized. Lo very so you localized. Need to, yeah, those mom groups and stuff and make sure before you do that your Facebook profile is nice and squeaky clean. Um, because if a mom clicks it and sees party pictures, even if it has nothing to do with the tutoring, they're just going to think you're going to be a bad tutor. Um, that's just how it goes. So clean up your profiles and... Um, and yeah, I would recommend going local like that to make yeah. those offers. I maybe there's things on like care.com for tutors oh, maybe, maybe, but I don't I don't really know. Um and I probably just as a mom if I needed to hire a tutor, I don't think I'd start there. I think I would probably look ask like a local group. A local group. Yeah. yeah. Um okay. or or you could go to the schools in your area. And just go to front office one day and be like, hey, here's like a, a flyer of my information. And um, I offer tutoring. Is there any way you can post this on a bulletin board or include it in an email to parents? Um, that would probably be really good. Because be then great. you have the endorsement of the school. Of the school. And depending um, on where you live in your district, there's hopefully some kind of system in place to accept people from the community that do that and uh, like in a way to kind of get officially recognized yeah um but that would be yeah that'd be the best way yeah. just to go through it um a, kind of a little bit towards some of the other things we talked about where if you have a niche um or you have like a specialty mm -hmm. um that's an easy one it's kind of like the courses but it's not easier but you don't have to be let's say at the like doctorate level because you're helping teach people that are just kind of getting their first footing on it mm -hmm. um it's really more about breaking into the neighborhood and getting uh in the consciousness of the people that are going to yeah. be meeting that service. and once you're in with like one mom group oh they're going to talk to all the other moms about it and you're going to get so much business drummed up if you're really in good and you really help you know a couple students in a yeah. mom group you're gonna that's going to be a great business for you but i also think this would be good if you're somebody who you got your associates or your bachelor's degree and a degree like history or English and like maybe you're not using it and you're doing something completely different but you still have a passion for it and you spent money to learn all of those things <laughs> about that subject mm -hmm. and you want to put that to good use yeah. this could be a way that you can be um, making money off of this working with kids obviously if don't do this if you don't want to work with kids um, <laughs> that's gonna be an important part of it and um oh also this should hopefully go without saying but you would probably need to be subject subjected to a background check or have a clean background that you can let people know yeah that you're safe to work with kids so that's a big one uh that's a, that's a big <laughs> make that's sure that's already taken care yeah of. <laughs> um but yeah yeah so like i think yeah english majors history majors math majors if that's you know music you, you can say <laughs> music majors um, you left yourself out. You're like, not no, me. well, I don't know. I mean, I think it made sense for college, but like, have people just, you know, if I don't know, I feel like that's why kids have music teachers mm. or like music lessons. It's a different kind of thing. Different I don't think you need yeah. a tutor for that, probably, but okay. Um, Next one. Anyway, yeah. Video editing. Video editing. Video editing. That's a very useful skill. Uh, along very with a skill. lot of businesses starting over COVID. A lot of content, more content, 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 content being made everywhere. Uh, social media, long form, short form has gone from a like nice to have for a business to kind of part of your everyday uh, commerce and interactions with your customers. So editing, filtering, making sure that that content is looking good yeah. is... And it's like up there yeah. it's up there it just it's one of those things that you maybe don't think 
about too much where you're just like, oh, we'll put a video up. And mm -hmm. it's like, well, no, is it a, how's that video look? Is it going to be polished? Does it have yeah. our information? Does it have titles? Does it have all kinds of things? That's going to be an editor. Yeah. I, um, I briefly worked with a uh, real estate agency and they had an in-house video editor, full-time, mm. full-time job. Um, because real estate requires lots of videos, the home tours, everything. He also did the filming of the video, so he would have to go and film the properties and then put that footage together. But um, there may be instances where you don't actually have to film it. You're just taking the raw footage and putting it together based on notes mm -hmm. um, and then being able to make it look smooth and seamless, modern and cool. You put in little yeah. like title cards or whatever they need. Um, this is another good one that can be remote. Um, if you have a setup at home and you have maybe a beefy computer is what you're going to need to be able to run the editing and hold all the footage. Mm -hmm. But theoretically, people can upload footage. You can download it and you can edit from anywhere in the world. So things to watch out for. Um, I think that you have to actually be good at this. Um, I'm, you have to actually know what you're doing. It's yeah. more than an iMovie thing. because. This an, but this is another one that if you have a passion for it, um, it again easy to learn you can yeah. download a video editor I mean Final Cut has like some upfront cost Adobe Premiere has some upfront cost mm -hmm. but but if you have a passion for it because you want to be a filmmaker you may not want to get into this as your you know just freelancing job because most of what you do is going to be corporate work and that expectation just needs to be set so it's fine if if you want to be a filmmaker, but you are okay and understand that mm -hmm. this might not be passion projects, but it might fund your passion projects when you're yeah. making corporate videos or you're doing real estate videos and it's very and not straightforward. Not to say you cannot do, you know, short films or other things that you're going to edit for other people, yes. but generally those are going to be more on the passion side and less on the paid side and the corporate videos that are boring and you're scrubbing through footage of executives that don't know how to act on camera. <laughs> Those are the ones that are going to have the budget for editing. Yes. So those are going to pay yes. the bills while you do the, you know, the other projects that you edit. You know, I think you also, paid. yeah, you also need to be aware that what that work requires is going to be working with people who know nothing about video editing. Mm -hmm. And so have the expectation that the notes that you'll be getting about what they want their video to look like, how to cut it, whatever, it's going to come from people who know, who do not know how to speak your language. They don't know what they're talking about. They're going to use the wrong yeah. phrases. They're going to say things like, I want it to fade in and out, or I want it to pop open, or they're going to use like stuff yeah. that you're like, is that gonna... really what you want? This uh... is another one similar to like um, social media people where they might not understand what they're like, if a certain ask falls into a different um, field or requires right. a little work where they're like, well, we're going to do this thing. And then we just want this big explosion. And then you're like, well, that's visual effects. And mm. I'm an editor. Mm -hmm. So if you do visual effects, you could be like, oh, well, I can do that, but that's not editing. Yeah. Or they're like, oh, I want... Can you make a little man pop up and dance? And you're like, uh, well, I can't animate. So uh, like or that. I can, but you're going to have to pay me extra because so that takes more time. just be very clear on the scope because, again, part of not understanding the language that you speak as an editor is kind of, again, not understanding what is and is not part of it. Mm -hmm. So... Something to, you know, make sure you get all the details worked out on that, on what your scope is when you take on a corporate project, um, because generally they are not knowing what is and is not editing. And to them, it's just like videos and you cut it up and you make it look good. And anything under that is video editing. So. Yeah. Okay. Moving on. Okay. Okay. What's up next? Moving on. Graphic, graphic design. design. <laughs> ah! a graphic designer! designer! Melinda. She is our graphic designer. She is amazing <laughs> and very, very talented. Melinda. So, Melinda, should people that want to start a business and want that business to be graphic designed in 2023 jump into it? No. No. Ooh. You should have a graphic designer. You should hire one, a very talented one, to do jobs that you do not know how to do. Don't try to do everything unless you have a bit of the skill already and you feel confident because you could have the greatest idea in the world if you don't know how to execute it it's going to look bad 
So if somebody wanted to start a graphic design company, if they're just a, a single person. Like a freelancer. Oh, like a freelancer. Is that something someone should be getting into in 2023? 23. Do you see demand increasing for yeah. graphic designers in 2023? Yeah, definitely. As Like, you know, more people become entrepreneurs, you're going to need more graphic design freelance mm -hmm. in general. Yeah. What are some things that people can do to get started in that if they want to jump into graphic design? I would say to like as a as a, as a business like oh I, I'm good at graphic design but I'm, I'm or like I really yeah I think I'm good I like it I yeah yeah I know how to do Photoshop <laughs> I would say get a website mm. get your name out there start producing the type of work you want to be doing so if you want mm -hmm. to be doing work for Adidas or you want to be doing work that looks like really groovy just start making one there's millions of websites where you can just type in certain prompts and it will make a fake client and you can start doing oh, the work ooh, cool. cool i didn't know there were websites that make yep. fake clients like yep. that that's, that's cool very cool i like very that cool. what are some things to look out for or things to make sure you don't exit like mistakes to watch out for um Try to not overuse Canva. It is a great tool for beginners, but if you are a professional graphic designer, you can spot it a mile away. Mm. Yeah, that makes I sense. I didn't know that. I didn't know you could spot Canva. It's pretty, it's like five templates. Okay. <laughs> what kind of jobs do you think people just starting out uh, in this will be getting first? Like what kind of, what kind what of, kind of work? can they see like first jobs? First jobs, I'd say like small businesses, a t-shirt brand, a stuff sticker on like company. Upwork. Yeah, stuff yeah. on Upwork. As you start to network more and get to know more people that need things, you will get better jobs, larger jobs. But you know, mm. at the beginning, just little little projects. Little projects. Mm. Okay. Cool. Okay. Cool, cool. And so, if I if my extent of graphic design knowledge is simply using Canva. Uh, should I try to start this as a job for myself in 2023? I say if you're passionate about it, yes. There are millions of different videos on TikTok, YouTube of how to like up your knowledge, Photoshop for beginners, even Canva for advanced, anything to kind of like take your skills from just novice to mm. start getting professional. Ah, very cool, very cool. All right, okay. awesome. That's cool. pretty valuable. That's very valuable. Thank you, Melinda. Thank you for being in our video. Yeah. Okay, now get out. <laughs> Sorry, please get out. <laughs> Our last one is ebooks. That was another one similar to online courses that we're seeing come up in lists because a lot of people have been making a lot of silly content. Where I'm like, hearing these, these made wild a, success stories. I made stories. an ebook in an hour and these idiots are buying it yes, for millions of like, dollars. Or there's this one story that's going absolutely but, crazy right now about the man who used AI to write a story and then AI to create the pictures for children and yeah. is selling that book. I don't know how. It seems like he's successful. Maybe he's just drummed up a lot, a lot of... A lot of people are hating on it. Yeah. Well, there's a lot to be said about AI. That's a future video So we're talking sure. about just like the people that have said like ebooks are easy on Amazon and you can write a kid's book and in a day because kid's books are short and then you get somebody on Fiverr to, to make illustrate, to illustrate yeah. it and then you put it together and you're going to make hundreds of thousands of dollars. Right. I made a million dollars overnight on an Amazon so, book. Is that true? I mean, it probably does happen, but the key part that people miss, even before we get into anything else, is that you and everybody else have that same opportunity and people are paying Amazon to advertise within the platform to bump up on search results. Because if you made that book and a million other people made that book and you're on page 115 of their search results, nobody's gonna see it. Nobody knows it's so there. So you're gonna have to pay to put it up on that first page. So it's not yes. just like I put it up and it's going to like make all this money. Right. Okay, let's back up. I just want to get that one out of the way. No, absolutely. Another misconception is that you're buying these illustrations on Fiverr for $5. Fiverr is not a $5 place anymore. It was um, maybe when it started. When it started, that was the concept. That's why it's called Fiverr. But like, no, these, if you want quality illustrations for a children's book. It costs money. It costs <laughs> quite a lot. That's a lot of illustrations that you need. I mean, uh, you could maybe get that done for, I don't know, 200 bucks maybe, but maybe. I don't know that you're going to like the quality of it. And um, then when it comes to the actual content, with a convincing cover art and a good bio, maybe you could 
I'm going to use the word trick maybe somebody into buying something that has real no real content to it once or twice. But if you want to become somebody that gets repeat business, you're going to have to start creating like a real voice and like provide a unique point of view or have like a very compelling story, even if it is for kids, because the kids are not buying this, the parents are, and they're right. going to see right through it if it's just something that feels very hollow. Or they're not going to see it at all because like Nick said, it's on page 115 of the search results. Because in order for it to be seen, to be known, to be worthwhile, you have to invest money in that. And if you're selling it and Amazon's taking a chunk because they're producing it. Mm -hmm. So at the end of the day, you're making $3 a book off of these books. Yeah. Is it, are you going to really see a return on that? I would say if writing children's books or writing books like that has been a passion or something you've been wanting to get into the ebook publishing and that whole space is really just something to bring the barrier to entry down yes it is not an invitation to kind of shortchange the no, system no i don't think it's as hackable as people are making it no seem. and the, and the thing is it's like if it's too hackable then it loses all value and then people stop going to it yeah so and then, then it's flooded and, and then yeah. it's like you turn into clubhouse and you don't want to be clubhouse no. <laughs> so what that would be like the you know you probably like yeah put, pay your way and push through to get sales but you don't really want to do that because that's just it's one of those like performance marketing things where you're just reinvesting the money into advertising because the real thing doesn't have any actual value it's just getting pushed in people's faces. i think that the ebooks are very similar to the e-courses the online yeah. courses it's a yeah. similar approach if and you have something valuable to say to offer to teach mm -hmm. and you put that in an ebook and you already have a channel of people who are ready yeah. to give you their money for that information do it then it is a great idea for you to get into yep. in 2023 mm -hmm. um, but that's a big if that's a lot of things that have to already be kind of established or maybe you'll work on establishing first in 2023 to then turn around and get your book published um and in in regards to to that using the amazon system where they mm -hmm. actually bind it for you and you can self-publish that is pretty cool because then you, you can cool. circumvent the whole publishing process with Random House or Penguin or all those publishers that are really difficult to go through. Um, and you can, process. it is. Yeah, so having process. this is actually great. Um, but make sure that you're starting off with a place of actually having a passion for it. I think so. Or something, something of value to say, yeah. to offer. Yeah. Um, the children's book hack of like making passive income off of it. I just think that it's being billed. Uh, in a in a way that's not accurate I think that um like the selling again like the selling online courses thing I think the people who are saying this are trying to sell you something about yeah. how to make these ebooks work yep. um and I don't think it's quite that simple so if you were going into this hoping it was going to be that simple and you were going to just hack it together and stuff you might find that it's not that and in which case I say don't do it don't do it, don't do it. so that about does it that was it for our list of the businesses that we seen some potential in, some that we see not so much potential yeah. in. Um, if you have any questions, if we did not bring up a company that you're like, ooh, but I'm seeing this and I'm thinking about it, uh, leave us a comment and I do want to talk about it. Yeah. Because I think it would be a great conversation starter. Um, what was your favorite one from that list? If you were to, if you were starting something out fresh mm. in 2023, which one do you think you'd go off of? Yeah, please let us know. But you, what about you? Oh, me? Yeah. Oh, mm, ba, 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 ba. you know what? I would pick coffee shop. I was going to say the same thing. I, I feel like that's a good one. If you yeah. could do that, I think that's a good one. I, I, we might be starting a coffee shop. So look out for a NFT metaverse coffee shop. <laughs> Brought to you by Ryan Bresnahan. <laughs> the joke is That's for the joke is for one person. That is the second time we've name dropped him in our videos, and I don't even think he's watching them. No, but we'll someday send, he will. Someday he will, and, and he will see like, all the time. Makes people talking about me. Okay. Oh my gosh. Well, that does it for us today. Yes. And until next time, it's business, business as, as usual. usual.